Hey everybody, welcome to the HDO channel. If you are new to this channel, thank you for stopping by. It stands for His Top Ones. And so today, uh, if you've been going on this journey with me, we are in Romans chapter 13. And so if you can, just go ahead and grab all of your materials and then we could just settle down. I hope this is a time where you just enjoy, um, you know, reading your Bible, that it doesn't feel like a task, but it's a time of enjoyment. So my tip to you today is set your environment, you know, put on your little fuzzy slippers, whatever you need to do, where when you sit down with that time with God, that you actually look forward to it. You know, maybe some flowers or um, I guess I'm a woman, so I, I'm, I'm picking all the girly stuff, but you know what I mean? Something, a nice scented candle, just something that just, when you think about your time with God, that you're actually looking forward to it. So again, we are in uh, the Passion Translation and you can find that on BibleGateway.com. You can find that using your app, um, Bible app, iOS or Android, and then just go ahead and grab your highlighters, journals, pens, and or pencils. So we're going to set the atmosphere. And how we do that is what I call a scripturally focused breathing. Sometimes you'll hear me say uh, spiritually focused uh, breathing either way. Um, you can find a good definition of this on gotquestions.org. I like that website. Um, but anyways, when you think about breath, you think about the Ruach. R-U-A-C-H, if you want to write that down in your journal. And what that is, in, in the Greek, that's the Hebrew word for breath. And then in the Greek, it's pneuma, wind, breath, or spirit. And in the Greek, you spell that P-N-E-U-M-A, and it sounds like ruah, you know, almost like the sea is silent. Um, but it does mean wind or breath or spirit. So when we do these this breathing technique, you're really just going back to really Genesis, Genesis 1 and 2, where it says the spirit of God, the Ruach Elohim, was hovering over the waters. And then in Genesis 6, 17, it says the Ruach is translated as the breath of life. So we all know the that God's very breath is the one that sustains us and keeps us. And we're just grateful every day that we can get up and even take a breath. So we're going to combine that with scripture. So you'll hear me say, breathe in for three, and it doesn't have to be three, but you want your long, your exhale to be longer than your inhale. You just want to intentionally slow your breathing down, and you want to do this through the nostrils and back through, through, through your nostrils. So on the count of three, just take a deep breath through your nostrils. Inhale, one, two, three. And the exhale slowly. Okay, so that's our first practice. So now let's just look at the scripture and it's found in Psalm 119. And so we'll breathe, read the scripture, breathe and read the scripture. We'll do this three times together. So Psalm 119 states, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. That's Psalm 119 verses 14 through 16. So let's inhale for three and then exhale slowly. 
I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Inhale for three. Exhale slowly. Last time, I'm going to intentionally read it slow. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word last time. Inhale for three. Exhale slowly. So let's just go ahead and, you know, we've settled down. Hopefully you have your fuzzy slippers on, some candles or something. And we're going to pray together. He says where there are two or three gather together in my name. And right now we're gathering in his name that there I am in the midst of them. So pray this prayer with me. And you can even pause the video and read it over and then start back up with me. Our Father, we come to you today thanking you for who you are. Thanking you for your goodness, kindness, love and mercy toward us. Father, may you be glorified in our lives by the power of your spirit. May we be, remind us of our need for you and how without you, we cannot accomplish anything. We come to you today presenting all of our needs. We are fully convinced that you hear our prayers. You said in your word that without faith, it is impossible to please you. So today, we thank you that we have faith in your son, Jesus Christ, his finished works, and that we share in the faith of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that abides within us. May you forever be glorified in Christ's holy name. Amen. And so this is a time where we just worship together. Now remember, worship is many, there are many ways you can worship. We can worship God while we're washing dishes. We can worship God when we're vacuuming the floor. There are many ways, but this one way is to just, you know, you could even find a scripture and worship God by just reciting maybe one of the Psalms. And so a, a lot of times we find that when we think of worship, we always think of it with music. So we're just going to take some time and focus on this scripture that's found in the book of Psalms. And let me read it to you. A Psalm for giving thanks. His steadfast love endures forever. A Psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. 
It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Yes, God, our great God, we do give him thanksgiving and we give him praise. Just right where you are, even if you want to close your eyes and just tell God how much he means to you. Tell him how much he has done for you and that he is worthy of your worship. We want to sing hallelujah almighty god yes you are worthy god you are worthy jesus we need you god we need you lord worship right now have your way we adore you God we adore you God come on and just sit in the silence reflect back on that scripture We enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. We give thanks to him and we bless his mighty name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, you're worthy. So right now, we're reminded of why we do what we do. You know, a lot of times I think that the motivation for reading the Bible, um, if the motivation is not the correct motivation, it actually won't motivate us long term. So it's always good to ask ourselves, why do we do this? Do we do it as a religious right? Or do we do it um, just to check off? Hey, I read the Bible today. But check this out in John 17, verse three. And this is eternal life. It means to know, to perceive, recognize, become acquainted with, and understand you. We could just stop right there. I mean, he, John 17, three, this comes from the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ. And he's saying eternal life is to know God. That's, that's why we do what we do. And let's keep reading the only true and real God. And likewise to know him, who Jesus as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, 
whom you have sent. That's our why. That's what we do. We do. I love the term that I heard uh, uh, someone say, and it's we read the kingdom book. I mean, in America, it's a privilege that we get to read the kingdom book. So we just thank God for that. Um, so we're going to be like the Bereans. We know why. And so this is why we do what we do. We're going to be like the Bereans and we're going to search the scriptures and understand and find the truth. So we're going to get started first this week by looking at our names of God for this week. And this is Yahweh Shalom. And remember from the last video, I won't go into it as much, but Yahweh comes from what they call a tetragrammation. And that is there's four letters. And if you want to jot this down in your journal, you spell the first letter as Y-O-D, Yod, and then H-E-H is the second letter, Hey, and then V-A-V is the third letter, and then H-E-H again. So, and it's transliterated as Y-H-W-H. Some places have transliterated it Y-H-V-H. Okay. And so it was because it was blasphemous. It was actually blasphemous to utter the name of God. And so what happened is that, you know, it resulted in the pronunciation becoming lost. And you can find more about that on behindthename.com. And so this was just a, an opportunity for us to just by learning his name that remember John 17, three, that we get to learn more about God. And so this week, again, we're going to focus on Yahweh Shalom, or you may have seen that word Jehovah. You could say Jehovah, actually Jehovah Shalom. And so as we go on, um, just know that, again, one thing is true that we all agree with. His name is still holy. It's still holy. That's why it's in the Ten Commandments. And he says, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. And so let's just focus instead of on Yahweh, since we've already done that, let's focus on that term shalom. You know, you hear it so much, um, but let's just find, you can find this if you take your uh, phone or tablet, if you're on your computer, it'll be more um, convenient for you to do this, but you'll need a second device to scan while you're doing this. And you will find this article by Ann Spangler. And I think she is the one who uh, wrote the book, I believe, Names of God. But follow along. It says shalom is a Hebrew word so much richer in its range of meaning, meanings than the English word peace which usually refers to the absence of outward conflict or to a state of inner calm, kind of like we, what we did at the beginning of the video. The concept of shalom includes these ideas, but goes beyond them, meaning, look at that, wholeness, completeness, finished word, perfection, safety or wellness. I don't know about you, but I never thought of any of those words when I thought of shalom. You know, I just thought of peace. But when you look at that wholeness, completeness, perfection, safety, or wellness, I think of my favorite verse, 3 John 1 and 2, beloved, I wish above all else that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. So it's almost like in your Bible, we you could go to 3 John 1 and 2 and write shalom there. Shalom. 
So let's keep reading. Shalom comes from living in harmony with God. The fruit of that harmony is harmony with others, prosperity, health, satisfaction, soundness, wholeness, and well-being. Oh my goodness. And again, I would encourage you, you can read the rest. I still haven't read that. I need to read the rest of that actual article, but scan the QR code. And remember, this is an interactive Bible study. So you can do a lot of pausing and then, you know, play again. It's really up to you. So we're going to jump in. We're going to start first though with the overview, but I want to remind you, this is coming from the Passion Translation. And yes, you can find that on BibleGateway.com. There's another cool app, by the way, and it's called Bible Inspiring Life. I know it's on the Apple store. I am not sure if it's on the Android store, but it's called uh, Bible Inspiring Life. And, and I believe you can find that passion translation there too. It's one of my favorite apps. So before we do, we're going to do take an overview of the entire chapter, verse thir- chapter 13. And here's another translation that I like, and that's called the Disciples Literal New Testament. And you could find that again on Bible Gateway. So it's weird when you actually look at the different um, actual online Bible tools, you'll find some will have a lot of translations. Others will have some that the others won't. Um, But this DLNT, you can find that for sure on Bible Gateway. So here's the overview. First part, be subject to authorities. They are established by God. We're going to read about that. Rulers are God's servants to reward good and punish evil evil, so give them their due. Pay your ongoing debt of love, put on the weapons of of the light, and make no provision for the flesh. So um, that's our overview of Romans chapter 13. Again, interactive. You can take your phone, tablet, whatever, scan the code. I suggest you go ahead and use this and you can use this as your actual journal sheet. And with that journal sheet, you should have an area where the margins are purposely left indented so that you can write your thoughts, write any questions, and then you can put it all in the big notebook and keep that. You know, whatever works for you, you'll find your groove. So go ahead and scan that. And then you can actually resume the video after possibly you print it out. So we are ready and we are going to get started. First one, every person must submit to and support the authorities over him. For there can be no authority in the universe except by God's appointment, which means that every authority that exists has been instituted by God. So to resist authority is to resist the divine order of God, which results in severe consequences. For civil authorities don't intimidate those who are doing good, but those who are doing evil. So do what is right and you'll never need to fear those in authority. They will commend you for your good citizenship. So the question is, here's the question on the table, and I want you to think about it. You can jot your answer in your journal. When they say submit to and support the authorities, what what if they're evil authorities? What if there is an authority in your life and they ask um, you to do something that's contrary to, to God's nature and his word? Okay, I want you to think about, and here's three three examples you can look at in your own time. Read about Daniel chapter six, where you have Daniel and King Darius. 
And you know, if you haven't heard of that story, it's when Daniel's thrown in a lion's den. And then you have Exodus chapter one, verses 15 through 18. And that's uh, the content is regarding the Hebrew midwives. Read that and, and think about my question again. What do you do? do? Does that mean that you obey every authority everywhere all the time? And then here's a third example is found in Acts chapter four, verses 18 through 22. And that's when the disciples were instructed to no longer preach Jesus Christ. So I want you to come up with your own answer. I have an answer, but again, this is Bible study. So I want to see, give you the opportunity, right? To think about your answer to that question. Okay, so let's continue. So we have, we, we're, Paul is saying, submit to the authorities. And here's another thing you can highlight in your Bible. Of the authority that exists has been instituted by God, by God himself. And then highlight resist authority. And then look in the scriptures and see what Paul says, what happens when we resist authority, what are we actually resisting? And then in verse three, highlight just the phrase as an encouragement, do what is right. That's what Paul is just encouraging us now. And, you know, unfortunately, the times we're living in, you know, think about that when we saw all that we saw as far as the insurrection and what was going on. So I don't want to get political, but I want you to think about what we experienced here in America and then reconcile that with what you're reading today and come up with your own conclusion. So let's do a word study on submission. You know, we hear those words and, you know, sometimes that word is like, oh goodness, submission, here we go. But, you know, it's in God's word and if it's in his word, we line up. And so let's just take a look at uh, what that means. The Greek entry found in Strong's Concordance. And it says, where you see L-I-T, that means literal. The literal meaning of that means I put in a lower rank or I rank under. It is a military term, which means to subject. I subject or I put into subjection. Okay, I subordinate myself. I put myself into subjection. I submit. So true submission to me, according to the definition, isn't something that someone can force upon you. It's something that we voluntarily do because we need that word pronoun. I do it. Submission takes an act of our personal will. And so you see the term down at the bottom, H-U-P-O-T-A-S-S-O. Go ahead and write that in your journal to just clarify submission to place or rank under, to subject, to obey. It is something that we do and it's an act of our will. No one can force us biblically to submit. It's something that we line up and do because we love God. We love his word and we want to obey his word. So here's a good quote to jot down. A Greek military term meaning to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. My goodness. When you think about our whole entire walk with God, it is a walk of submission. 
He never forced us. He never forces us to do anything. That was the whole reason why we're in this shebang in the first place. You know, Adam, he did not force submission because remember the definition of submission is I put myself, I subject myself. And so in the garden, that's the whole problem. You know, and really, honestly, isn't that the problem today? Isn't that the problem with all of us? That even when it comes to his word, that because we have, and we'll read this later, we wrestle with the flesh, that sometimes submission is a challenge. That's why we're in this mess. You know, all Adam had to do was eat from every tree of the garden, but just don't eat from the one in the center of the garden, right? But he did. He decided not to submit to the will, the word, and the instructions of God. Every day, I will tell you, we will all face that challenge. Will we submit? Will we submit to the things that he's telling us to do? So let's continue with verse four. That's good. We only read three verses. So verse four, those in authority are God's servants for the good of society. So remember, Paul's talking about civil authority. Now you can also translate that to the home. You know that there are those that God has set in order in the home. Yes, ladies, even though, you know, we don't necessarily, you know, like, may not like that all the time, but we have to read the whole counsel of God because there is a, a scripture that says, however, in the Lord, submit ye one to the, to another. But as far as your order of your home, there is a rank, a file, a leader, if you are married, um, and so everybody has to come to that revelation. So I don't want to go too long on that, but let's keep reading. But if you break the law, you have reason to be alarmed for they are God's agents of punishment to bring criminals to, to justice. So again, Paul is talking about civil authority. Okay. So let's continue. Why do you think they carry weapons? You are compelled to obey them, not just to avoid punishment, but because you want to live with clean conscience. Right. And so, again, he's talking about civil authorities, but we can take this and stretch it and say, well, some of this can apply in, in, in different facets of our life, you know, on our job. There are authorities that are established, you know, because those employers have employed us to do a specific job. You know, we don't get to debate what our job description is. The only time we made a choice was when we, you know, signed our name on those tax forms. That's when your choice comes in. After that, you, we are to submit to those employers. And even in the church, I think that there's a great difficulty in the kingdom with this. You know, we have people who are set over us. They're pastors and teachers and apostles. And so sometimes one of the biggest problems of the church is that we don't want to submit. You know, if someone is, is the pastor or if someone is your leader or your mentor, there's an order that God has established. So we just look within ourselves and say, hey, just in our journal, do I have a difficult time with submission? Am I, and in other words, air quotes, am I bucking up against God's established order for my life? Remember that term? I subject myself. I put myself under like a milk. I'm under rank. 
basically is what he's saying. So let's take a look at this uh, uh, note from the voice translation. Remember, we're reading the pan passion translation, but this note I thought would be very helpful so we could understand the context that Paul is talking about. So at the time, Christians are a tiny minority within Ju Judaism, a minor religion in the largest empire the world has ever seen. Minorities are often the subjects of rumors, suspicions, and innuendos. Christians don't need to add to the problem by developing a reputation as lawbreakers and rebels. That applies to us today. Let me keep going. So kingdom citizens are not to dodge taxes or cheat on fees imposed by legitimate governing authorities. They are to show the proper respect for officials in power. Ultimately, those who follow the truth of the gospel under the banner of the anointed one. Look at that. Remember that term, military term, subject, submission. I place myself under a leader. And if we're Christians, since we're Christians, then our leader is the anointed one, Jesus Christ. So let me read that sentence again. Ultimately, those who follow the truth of the gospel under the banner of the anointed one may find themselves at odds with the powers that be. Now, remember that example I gave you when you read Daniel 6 and when you read about the midwives and when you read about Peter right? Sometimes you, you, they are at odds in his word. They were at odds with the established authorities or the authorities of Rome. Think about Pontius Pilate, you know, what he said to Jesus Christ. All right, let's keep going. But Paul's counsel, counsel here is not a blanket. Look at this. It's not a blanket approval of any and every government that may arise in a broken world. Think about that. You know, I can go on, but I want you to use your thoughts there. The original question was when we started this out, is this absolute submission? Is this absolute to any kind of authority, any kind of a governmental authority, anytime, anywhere, everywhere? Okay. Come and draw your own conclusions. So it will take us to this point, which is our sila, our, our, our quiet, silent reflection. So again, although in the context, Paul was referring to civil authorities, do you, here's that question again, do you think this applies to all authorities God has placed over us? All authorities God has placed over us. So I want you to scan the following. And after you read this, use your phone, use your tablet. How do you think, here's a word, God views rebellion? And then I want to stretch your thought, rebellion, rebellion, not evil authority or any authority that's asking you to do something contrary to God. We're not talking about that, but rebellion in all other matters, whether it's the authority God has established in your home, on your job, according to the scripture you just scanned and you will read, how do you think he views rebellion? And then here's another question. If you are an authority, if you are an authority or if you are, how do you want to be treated? So a lot of times we don't think of it that way. Okay. And so again, you'll find this, hopefully you've read it. When you scan it, you'll see the scripture and you will see something regarding Saul. So I want you to think about that as you read that. Let's continue with verse five. You are compelled to obey them. 
not just to avoid punishment, but because you want to live with a clean conscience. Okay, think about that again, submission. This is also the reason you pay your taxes for governmental authorities are God's officials who oversee these things. So it is your duty to pay all the taxes and fees that they require and to respect those who are worthy of respect, honoring them accordingly. And you will find a discussion, a good cross-reference is Matthew 22, verse 21, when Christ talks about, and they say, hey, I'm paraphrasing, you know, should we pay taxes? And then it says in the Passion Translation, they said, Jesus said precisely, for the coin bears the image of the emperor Caesar. Well, then you should pay the emperor what is due to the emperor. But because you bear the image of God, give back to God all that belongs to him. Right. And so, again, you know, regardless of whether we think, you know, sometimes we, we live in this world where our very, you know, government, governmental leaders actually don't even respect the law. Not all of them, but some of them. Um, and so, you know, that would be a reason, you know, most of us would say, well, you know, look, they don't obey. Why should I obey? But Paul, this is good wisdom for us that regardless of whether they obey or not, we obey. You know, we do our best to obey. My my mother would often say, honey, they might you might think you're going to get away, but you won't get by. Or in other words, sometimes people can do things on earth that it seems as though they're getting away. But hey, when eternity or when that day comes, they won't get by. So that's what we keep in mind. So let's take another look at uh, the Vines Expository Bible, and that'll give you a good background information. So check out this quote. Becoming a Christian affects everything about us, from our house to the church house, to the state house, to the courthouse, to the White House. And look at the order from our house to the White House something to think about. So as Christians, we need to have to learn how we are intended by God to relate to the powers that be, to relate to government. The Bible says that Christians are citizens of two worlds. When we are, when we are safe, we become citizens of heaven. So in other words, I should say when we are saved, when we are saved, we become citizens of heaven. That's Philippians 3 verse 20. We do not ultimately belong to this world. We belong to the heavenly world. You know, again, write this in the journal. Say, write down in your journal right now, I'm heaven's ambassador, right? You're not here. You're not of the world. We're coming, we're passing through this world. So one of these days we will be walking upon the streets of gold, but spiritually we are already there in Jesus Christ. We are citizens of heaven. Go ahead, write that down. You're a citizen of heaven. You're an ambassador of heaven. And we're just here to make the imprint on the earth in the designated time that God has given us. So let's continue with verse eight. Don't owe anything to anyone. So he's going to pivot here. Okay. He's got through talking about the authorities and all of that. So here's the pivot. Don't owe anything to anyone except your outstanding debt to continue to love one another. For the one who learns to love has fulfilled every requirement of the law. For the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And every other commandment can be summed up in these words. 
love and value others the same way you love and value yourself. And a good cross-reference is Leviticus 19.18. Love makes it impossible to harm another. So love fulfills all that the law requires. And you'll see that in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. And that's where Jesus answered him and said, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is like it in importance. You must love your friend in the same way you love yourself. Contain within these two commandments to love you. You will find all the meaning of the law and prophets. So Jesus makes the law or the following his word very easy, you know, to say, hey, if I just operate out of love, I don't have to worry about committing adultery. If I'm operating out of love, I don't have to worry about committing murder or stealing or coveting. If I'm operating out of love, right? And that second part where he says, love and value others, highlight that in your Bible. From that quote from Leviticus 19:18, do not commit adultery, highlight all the way to yourself. And then highlight, so love, fulfills all that the law requires. I put big quotes around that uh, with my highlighter. So here's another silent reflection. Here's a question. Again, you can pause and write this down in your journal. Why do you think God requires us to owe nothing but love? Oh, nothing but love. Now, I don't want a lot of people when they read this, they get caught up in, you know, being in debt and all that other stuff. So I'm not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on the true meaning behind all of that is, you know, hey, if you if you love people or if you just love the fact that God is over it all, that we won't struggle with paying taxes or fees or whatever. But but remember, he pivots. And he makes this a personal relationship. And he's talking about now our relationship with other people. That's why he cites all these verses from Exodus 20. Don't covet, don't steal, don't murder. So he's pivoting now into relationships with other people. Because remember, Jesus says the greatest, the law and the prophets is summed up as love your Lord, the love that your Lord, your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, this fulfills all the law. So in other words, in today's language, if you do that, boo, you don't have to worry about nothing else. You don't have to do, but now that's easier said than done because we do have a flesh. We do have this sinful nature that every day, according to Galatians 2.20, I crucify my flesh. So again, that question is, why do you think God requires us to owe nothing but love? So let's continue with verse 11. Living in the light is this title. To live like this is all the more urgent. For time is running out and you know it is a strategic hour in human history. It is time for us to wake up for our full salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Night's darkness is dissolving away as a new day of destiny dawns. So we must once 
and for all, strip away what is done in the shadows of darkness, removing it like filthy clothes. And once and for all, we clothe ourselves with the radiance of light as our weapon. My goodness, Paul. So he's talking about authorities. Then he goes all the way into our relationships. And then he talks about living in the light. So in your Bible highlight, it is time for us to wake up. You know, that is so true. You know, that we don't fall as Christians in the kingdom in this law, you know, where we just go along, get along. I know the scripture says, you know, Jesus said, hey, in the last days, I'm paraphrasing, they're going to be just doing their thing, shopping, going to H-E-B, Kroger's, doing whatever they want to do. And it's going to come suddenly. I'm going to come suddenly. You know, the trumpet will sound. So it's time for us to all wake up and recognize because Paul, if he said that then 2000 years ago, our full salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Well, what, it, what is it? How close is it today? And then a good cross reference is Matthew 16, verse two through three, where Jesus said, answered, you can read the signs of the weather. He's talking, you know, to his audience for you say red sky at night, sailors delight and red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. You're so adept at forecasting the weather by looking at the sky, but you're absolutely clueless and reading the obvious signs of the times. Man, that was Jesus. Again, that's Matthew 16, verses two through three. And then Ephesians four through 24 at the bottom. That's our last cross reference. But look at that highlight. And once for all, we clothe ourselves with the radiance of light as, look at that, our weapon. So when we clothe ourselves as a radiance of light, it's actually a weapon on our behalf. And Ephesians 4.24 is a good cross-reference because it says, and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. Oh my gosh. I would tell you, read that before when you start your morning. Use it as a scripture memory if you can. But I'm going to read that one more time. Ephesians 4.24. And to be transformed. Pause the video if you need to so you can see it. As you embrace the glorious Christ. And where is he? Within. As your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. Oh my goodness. So when he says, clothe ourselves with the radiance of light as our weapon, that's what he's saying, to live in union with God. And so verse 13 and 14, we must live honorably, surrounded by the light of this new day, not in the darkness of drunkenness and debauchery, not in promiscuity and sensuality, not being argumentative or jealous of others. Instead, fully immerse yourselves into the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, and don't waste even a moment's thought on your former identity to awaken its selfish desires. So in your, in your Bible, Highlight, we must live honorably. Remember that connects to the very beginning of the chapter when he's saying, submit yourselves 
to the governing authorities. And then highlight, underline all of these. I skipped one, but go ahead and highlight drunkenness, debauchery, debauchery, promiscuity, sensuality, argumentative, and jealousy. Highlight those. That's one, two, three, four, five, six. And then he's saying, instead, you know, dump all that other stuff. Immerse yourself in the Lord Jesus. So when you're, we're reading our Bible, we got to have strategies. How do you immerse yourself? You immerse yourself by, you know, intentionally setting your mind on him throughout the day. And in the morning, you immerse yourself by doing what you're doing now. You immerse yourself by listening to the word, by listening to sermons, by reading your word. You immerse yourself. You know, I love, I heard Bishop Jake say this week, he said, you know, the scripture in the beginning was the word right in the beginning. So if we use our common sense, Bibles and printed Bibles came after the beginning. So in Genesis, there was no Bible, but in John, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So that means that I immerse myself into God's word, not just his logos written word, but in his Rima word. So I settle myself so I can hear. That's why we pray. That's how you can immerse yourself. You pray because you hear that word that's behind even the written word that we're reading. Right? Fully immersed. That word is active now because even as I go through this with you, I hear him saying and leading my mind in in a certain direction so that I could say certain things. So that's what we do. We talked about that weapon. Right. And it says, and don't waste your thought on your former identity. Again, Galatians 2.20. Don't awaken. I crucify myself daily. Right. And so the selfish desires in some translations, you will see the word the flesh. So let's again do a word study on that so we can rightfully understand, you know, you see this so many times in the Bible, flesh, 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 flesh. And so it can be, you know, um, misinterpreted. And so it's good to look at it in this actual scripture to see what exactly was he speaking of, because you have the flesh your physical, like your skin, you're like your body body. And then you have your flesh, like your mind, your will, your emotions, your attitude. But let's just see exactly what the flesh is right down in your Bible. Sarks, S-A-R-K-S. And in other words, flesh is generally negative. It refers to making decisions according to the self. You know, there's another term called the suki, the suki coast. It's done apart from faith. It's carnal. It's displeasing to the Lord. You know, it relates to, listen to this, unaided human effort. You know, you can operate in the flesh just when we wake up in the morning, don't acknowledge God. Don't think of God. I ain't got time to pray. I got to get on my job. It's unaided human effort. You know, we rely on the self. It's empowered by the self. It's carnal. It proceeds out of the untouched, unchanged part of ourselves. It's that which is not transformed by God. And if you see the little chicken at the bottom, that's what the self will do. 
The self will smile and say, yes, yes, do it, do it, whatever it is, do it without God. But then we have the Bible that will come up against that self and say, no, you won't. (laughs) Didn't you read that word today? Didn't you read what I said today to love your neighbor as yourself? No, you won't. So you have this struggle, just like that little chicken in the corner. One saying yes, the other one saying no. And you can see, hear more about that struggle on another um, actual recording that we, that in, on this channel in Romans, you know, where Paul also talks about why struggle, I wrestle with the flesh, right? Who will deliver me from this? And so again, that ends that scripture, but we just have, again, a silent reflection, a silent reflection. And you can even pause right now and even rewind or backspace and, and go and look at some of the other scriptures and just think some things over right here. Um, And then when you continue, I want you to think about this question. How does the phrase clothe ourselves with the radiance of light relate to verse 14a. So I want you to look back at the first part of verse 14. And how does the phrase clothe ourselves with the radiance of light relate to verse 14a? Okay. And so let's wrap this up. We're going to review it was a short chapter, 14 verses. We're going to review and we're going to review from the Dakes annotated reference Bible notes. And so, you know, that if you don't have that, no worries. I have a, assistance here for you. If you want to jot this down in your notes, when you really love, we're going to pull out a, a concept from that chapter. It was a lot. Remember talking about submission, talking about um, things that you want to cast off the flesh, talked about relationships with others. And so let's just focus on, on this for, for a second. When you really love, you will not. And this is all found in these verses from eight to 14. You won't tra- transgress the moral law. You know, you will love your neighbor as yourself. You won't deprive any man of his wife committing adultery. You won't rob any woman of her virtue. You won't take the life of anyone. That's when he regarded murder. You won't hate anyone. You won't take the property of anyone. That comes from, you know, coveting or jealousy. You won't rob a man of his good name, slander. Uh, You won't covet. You will love only yourself and you won't work any ill will towards anyone else. And then here are eight commands for Christians. Remember found still in in the Dake's annotated reference. You'll cast off the works. We'll all, this is where the life we're trying to live. We don't live it perfectly, but we're just trying with the help of the Holy Spirit. You cast off the works of darkness. You put on the armor of light, right? And then you think of also put on the whole armor of God. So three, you walk decently and well-behaved. That's why Paul was saying at the beginning, hey, we need to pay the taxes, pay the fees, obey authorities, you know, because we don't need anybody talking about Christians. Look at verse, uh, another one. Uh, Number four, stop reveling and drinking. Quit all immoral living. Refrain from quarreling, contention, and jealousies. Oh my gosh, that would take out half of social media right there. Clothe yourselves with the character of Jesus Christ and make no provision for lust. Man, that's a lot. Now, if you ever wonder why we don't, why we need 
the Holy Spirit. All we got to do is look at that list. I don't know about you. None of, I, I could not do it. No one could do this. That's why we needed Jesus Christ and we still need his help today. So let's look at the significance of verse 14. Again, here's that question. What does it mean to put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ? That's in the King James Version. And I'm help you out. And then you can add to this. To be clothed with a person is a Greek phrase to signify, to take upon one the interest of another. So to be clothed with Christ is to take on his interest as our interest and to enter in his into his view and to be holy, not half, but don't be just part way on his side, but all of us, all the wholeness of who we are on his side and that we imitate him in all things. So when you think of that question, what does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Think about that and then leave room for the Holy Spirit to give you other revelations on what that means. So we're at a place now where we can check our understanding. You can scan this, uh, use the QR code and scan and take a quick quiz without looking back to see what actually stuck. You know, um, to be honest, when I did it, I think I got like a nine out of 10. I don't, I'd made a silly mistake, but so hopefully you will get a 10 out of 10 when you do yours. And if you want to know my reaction, just go ahead and scan below. You know, it's a lot to take in. Sometimes we'll read a word and it'll elicit like a very uh, celebratory response. We're very excited. We're happy. And then sometimes you're just reflect reflective. You know, because you've taken in a lot and you're thinking about, or, you know, I'll just speak for me. You're thinking about, okay, well, I need, I need help there. I need help there. Um, I'm not so good at that. Um, I'm, I definitely need help over here. So just scan my reaction and you can see what I thought once I actually read this scripture, read this chapter. And so we're at the end, the book of the law. This is what we all always do. Joshua 1, 8, the book of the law. Remember, we can't do, we can't follow Christ if we don't read the instructions. His instructions are found in the kingdom book, which is the Bible, which is the acronym, basic, what, what basics, basic instructions. And I'll say it, I'll change it up a little bit for biblical living every day. I changed it up a little bit. So Joshua 1, 8, the book, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And we all know that only one touch is needed by Christ and that he regenerates and he revitalizes us. Okay. That's for all of us. So if you are not saved, we are now in Romans 10 verses 9 through 13. And it just states, basically, you can pause the video and repeat this, or you can repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now and I acknowledge and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart, God, that you raised him from the dead. And yes, God, because of that, I am saved. God, you know, with the, with the heart, I am believe, be, being made righteous. I am believing and I'm being made righteous. I'm being freed from the guilt of sin and I'm made acceptable to God. And with my mouth, I'm acknowledging that today. And then God, thank you that there's no distinction between me and a Jew and a Gentile. 
for you are the same Lord over us all. God, and you said in verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So God, I'm calling on your name today. And I thank you for inviting me and giving me an invitation into your kingdom. And so today we end with an inter intercessory prayer and the closing prayer. And that's just a time where, again, interactive, that you can pause this video. If there's somebody God's putting on your heart, pray for them, pray for their salvation, pray for their understanding, pray that the enemy will not sideswipe them in their lives. So let's just go ahead and we let's pray together. I pray that you have received all. I pray everyone under the sound of my voice have been blessed and rich. Remember as a disciple, he says, why call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I tell you to do? Well, we won't even know what to do if we don't study, right? His word says, study and show thyself approved, a workman that need not what be ashamed. And so today, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for giving us another day to be able to break open your word. For you said that you live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So God, I pray that myself as well as others, that you continue to teach us to be students, God, students of your word, not hearers alone. But those who learn and apply, we learn and apply. God, thank you for your revelation. Thank you for your word behind the word. The word existed before the beginning. God, we bless your holy name. We thank you that you've loved us enough to even leave us instructions on what to do. And so continue to make us. You said, go out into the nations and make disciples, Father. So I'm decreeing that everyone under the sound of my voice they don't have to have a special call to make disciples. They can make disciples right there in their home. They can make disciples on their job. God, thank you for allowing us to be called to your table. We bless you for it, God. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we end again with the blessing. May Yahweh bless you and watch over you. May Yahweh smile on you and be kind to you. May Yahweh look on you with favor and give you peace. And we know we end it. Say it with me. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Proverbs 4, verse 7. And so we lift up a praise. He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our honor. He deserves all of the glory. God, great God that you are. We love and we adore you. In Jesus' name, we seal this prayer. We seal this time of our in Christ's name.